Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin Studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk about strip tillage. If you've got any questions about that or anything that's going on in your farm, you can certainly give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. Uh, and you could also find us on Twitter if you'd like to, Ag PhD Media, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. So when it comes to strip till, I will just tell you we've got about... I'm going to say 15 years experience on our farm, maybe a little more than that. Been doing a lot of things for a lot of years. I'm not going to say it's every acre or anything like that. Uh, In fact, a lot of people will say, well, what do you do on your farm? Um, Look, we do everything on our farm because we want to test stuff. We farm about 3,500 crop acres, and it's really nice having the experience of conventional till, of no-till, of strip-till, of manure application in the fall, a manure application in the spring. You see where I'm going with this. But anyway, here are the things that I like most about strip till, and I'll tell you the things I like least. What I like most about strip till, number one, is the fertility placement. This was a big deal for us when we had been no-tilling prior to this on some of our ground, and we took the same acres and did strip till. Now, We placed the fertilizer where we really desperately needed it, which was down six, eight, especially 10 inches deep in the ground. I love that. Getting that fertility down deep is awesome. Not only have we banded the fertility, so that means we have less tie-up of fertilizer, we have better extraction of fertilizer, but we are putting it down in the soil where typically on most farms, just like ours, we don't see a lot of fertility. When we get down into that six to 10 inch range, on almost every farm, almost every soil test I've ever looked at in my life, fertility levels I would classify as not just low, but completely deficient in most nutrients. So having some fertility down where, let's face it, moisture is going to be in a dry year, uh, boy, that's really helpful. Now, I will occasionally get people to say, well, boy, it's down a long ways, and is there, are the plants really going to extract that much? And I go, absolutely. Have you dug your plant roots before? three weeks after planting, have you dug them up? Most people haven't. And I just tell you, even for me, I was shocked when I first started doing that and I found, oh, I already have roots a foot deep three weeks after planting. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying it always happens because sometimes, let's be honest, if you're planting like we do when the soil temp's 40, um, you're probably not going to have a whole lot of the seeds even uh, well, some of the seeds might not even be fully germinated by three weeks later if you're planting into super cold soils. But in normal conditions, three weeks later, you probably have roots a foot deep. So you're already down to that depth. So I love that part. The neck, basically that deep fertilizer placement. The other thing that I love is we're getting the job done in the fall. That's what we do on our farm. You can strip till in the spring too if you want to, but it's one pass. So we fertilize, it's also tillage, and it's one pass, it's done. And then the other thing I love about it, it feels like, to me, it's kind of, and not exactly by any means, but kind of the best of both worlds. So I take no-till to one extreme, conventional till to the other extreme, and this is in the middle. So in the strip, I have a warm piece of ground. So I have warmer soil for my seed. I have a drier seed bed because there's a little tillage. And I have that fertilizer down deep. Yet in between, I got all the advantages of no-till. 
So we have less erosion. We're building soil organic matter. We're, we're doing a lot of great things in between. So those are the main reasons why I love strip till. Now, what I don't like is you when you're out there doing the strip till, those are the rows you are going to use to plant on. And if you don't have things set up right or you don't have the right operator, you got a problem. The other thing is just it takes time. It, it, this isn't a fast operation. Even when we have gone to 12, a, a 12 rail strip till machine, it just, it's not like super fast. And I, I think a lot of us on the farm are used to anymore doing things super fast where you can take a floater or a fertilizer spreader and you can do hundreds of acres in a day, maybe even thousands. And you can't do that with this. So it's, it's going to be a little slow. It's going to take some horsepower. I get all that, but the advantages, in my opinion, outweigh the disadvantages, and that's why we continue to do some strip-till every year on our farm. So we'll talk about strip-till throughout the show today, but right now let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, get a manure question to start the day off here. We got this one in from John, and he said, I saw in your latest program you guys are talking about manure, and I've got a neighbor who is spreading 60 ton per acre of solid manure from a dairy on my fields. The manure test shows there are 17 pounds of soluble salts per ton. That would be 1,020 pounds of salt being applied. Now, I know you guys talked about no more than 500 pounds per year. We yep. haven't had any manure in the last 20 years. Yep. And our game plan was, let's just do this once, then not do it again for like three years. We're going to rotate back to corn next year, and the same neighbor is going to chop up for silage. Just curious, is that 1,000 pounds of salt too much in a three-year rotation if you do it all at once? Yeah, because you're doing it all at once. So we've done this exact same type of thing on our farm where we said, okay, we only have a small area. Ah, what the heck? It hasn't had manure in years and years and years. Let's just triple it up or quadruple it up or whatever. And the beans were crap. So you, you just have to be careful with this. Now, can you offset this with a lot of water? Yes. If you had irrigation, you can offset it. Can you offset it by doing a bunch of deep tillage? Could you moldboard plow, for example, and that would help? Yes. Are certain crops more tolerant to salts, like barley, for example? Yes. So there are ways around this. But if you say, look, I'm doing everything exactly the same as normal. I'm going to plant corn or beans there, and it's everything else is going to be completely unchanged, I would tell you I would be scared to death, especially with today's prices. It'd be one thing if corn was worth $1.50 a bushel, and you go, yeah, I just had a 40-bushel yield loss. Ah, so what? But a 40 bushel yield loss today, or even 20 bushel yield loss with today's prices, I'd, I don't want that kind of loss, and I'm assuming you don't either. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. We'll be right back talking strip till after this. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeal Pro Miticide from Valent USA. 
With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gainground. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about one of the most popular topics we get questions on, strip till. It's definitely in the top 10. I, I have growers all the time say, all right, talk to me about this part of strip till, about nutrient placement, or talk to me about seed bed preparation in the fall for a crop you're not going to plant till next spring. There are just so many questions around it. So it's fun to discuss some of these things because there there really is an art to doing this well and it might be slightly different on your farm than it is on ours so we'll we'll dig into some of these topics and if you've got questions our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD or you can always email us radio at agphd.com uh, let's head to the phone lines first get sean arthur with us right now with environmental tillage systems how you doing sean i'm doing well today all right, and I know you get a lot of questions about strip till, just like we do. Uh, what are some of the most common ones, and uh, what are some of the things you you think? Hey, if you're considering strip till, you really need to be aware of this and this. One of the biggest questions that we've been getting is um, how to actually implement strip till on somebody's farm. We get a lot of questions, or people are curious about the practice, or they've heard of it, but they just want to learn a little bit more. Um, so I always have to kick the question back to them to learn where they're coming from with it, what their current tillage practices are, and what their goals are for doing strip tillage. Uh, what I've found through a lot of conversations this summer is uh, fertilizer uh, efficiency and maybe high fertilizer prices are driving a lot of this, but guys are really trying to get a lot more uh, bang for their buck out of their fertilizer and wondering if putting it in a strip can help um, be a benefit for their operation. You know, a lot of the questions I get end up being guys that have been no-till or really don't want to do too much tillage. Uh, so if you've got a guy that's converting from no-till, uh, how would you talk him through that conversion? What are some of the things that, that he's going to like about strip-till? One of the main benefits that we see, especially with a corn crop, is going to be improved emergence. Um, you're going to get a higher final stand out of your corn that you're planting out there. Um, when, Especially in the northern latitudes, we can get some cold and wet conditions, which can, be, which can be a challenge for corn to get up and give you that consistent stand that we like to have. 
So that would be one of the main benefits that we see going from no-till over to strip-till is you're going to be able to warm up that seed bed a little bit right into that zone where you're going to be planting your seed and improve that emergence for you. How about for the guys in continuous corn? This is one that we get on our farm a lot. Guys say, okay, I, I see your TV show, and you know, if you're going into soybean stubble, I, I don't think there's going to be any problem. But, man, how do you guys handle corn stalks? Uh, what do you what do you do a little different, or, or how do you how do you work through that with a guy about continuous corn and using strip till? So with strip till and continuous corn, there uh, can be a lot of residue on top of the surface that can be challenging to deal with. Um, my first choice is to make strips in the fall, and in a corn on corn situation, uh, that can work really well. Uh, having some good row cleaners or zone cleaners on front of the strip till unit can help move a lot of that surface residue off to the side. And then we, uh, we got an area where we can actually till it up nicely and prepare that seed, uh, seed zone for the spring. Um, we do end up with more residue on the surface. It's going to look significantly different than a field that's been, uh, had some intense tillage done to it. Um, but what we found is that by pushing that residue off to the side, creating that strip, um, it should be able to, to stay in place and be ready for you in the spring. Uh, typically, um, a guy can come back and plant right into that, but there are some situations where we can get some residue that moves over winter and can partially cover them strips back up. But that's not going to be a deal breaker for strip till. Uh, most planters are set up with some nice row cleaners on the front of them. So properly using those row cleaners on your planter can clear that surface residue back to the side and give you the clean strip to plant back into. Yeah, it's a ton of great tips there, and there are certainly a lot of farmers that are doing it. Chances are there's somebody in your area that's doing it with your same weather, same kinds of soil, and it seems like there's a lot of local experts on this. Once once you start looking for the, the strip-till guys in your area, you find, man, they can be successful. It can work here in our soils, in our climate. Now, we're talking with Sean Arthur here with Environmental Tillage Systems. Sean, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks for having me. Take care. Let's head over to Ohio. Got our friend C.J. Parker with Case IH over there today. How you doing, C.J.? Oh, not too bad. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. I, I got some common strip-till questions that I'm thinking about. And, of course, uh, if you got some things you want to talk about today, that's great, too. But but one of them that Sean was kind of talking about there is just, all right, I got a 24-row planter. I got a 12-row strip-till. If I've got good GPS, am I going to have any issues with that? Um, yeah, as long as you got, uh, got the high, the high, the highest GPS available, um, you should be okay. Of course, um, you know, there are always those cases where we get on some, uh, some big side hills where, um, where we need to, uh, be on the, be on the watch out. But, uh, but really with them, with them strips being, being 10 inches or wider. So most of the, most of the new, the newer GPS can, um, can fit down them that, that same strip pretty, pretty good. You know, the other thing that, that we've had for questions this year, CJ, have been a lot around high fertilizer prices and utilizing dry fertilizer and uh, pull-type uh, uh, fertilizer carts coming along with you. Uh, talk us through the, the fertilization aspect here with strip-till. Well, I think you're, you're absolutely right. With uh, We're looking at that uh, the higher fertilizer prices that, uh, that all producers are going through today. Um, you know, strip till strip, and, and working the farm show here today in Ohio, getting more and more questions about about strip till just on the lot. Um, 
from um, you know customers talking about that and fertilizer prices and then where things are going to go and you know strip till I think helps maybe um, utilize that fertilizer a little bit because you are banning right in that row and um, uh, then that, that fertilizer zone is right readily available to the roots as they as they start to go down and get down more into that soil profile and, and one thing I thought was interesting with some of the conversations I had today you know. A lot of times, it's um, it's a timing matter for for some of the, some producers to uh, to do strip till, whether it's uh, manpower or, or weather related. Um, I talked to a few customers today that are more on the conservation aspect of a uh, strip till, and they're just making their strips um, without doing any fertilizer, just so uh, they can get more of the conservation benefit out of it as well as leaving some residue, but having a warm, you know, um, a warm strip to plant into come spring. You know, just kind of to build off of that. So that that's one part of this. The other part is the guy that wants to go deep with compaction issues. And I know that we've had a couple of dry years where we're at. Some other growers have had some really wet years. And, and either way, you can end up with hard soil. Uh, what about going down just a little bit deeper, using a shank, those types of things? Have you found strip-till to be a good way to deal with that? Um, I think uh, we got to. If we are going to go deep to uh, to alleviate compaction, you know, a lot of times you're going to find that bottom of that compaction layer. Um, I typically find that in that nine to ten inch range. Sometimes I've seen it as deep as twelve, but um, you know, I don't necessarily know if we need to uh, put our fertilizer in that deep. Um, so we can maybe look at some different type of shanks that are that that may be available to. Uh, to allow you to run that deep, but also maybe, you know, let's put that, that fertilizer out more at that, that four or five inch mark right behind the shank. So the, the shank's going deep um, to relieve that compaction. And, um, and then we're putting that fertilizer up in that zone um, a little bit higher. Yeah, I see a lot of guys doing that with good levels of success. And, you know, the other thing, too, just thinking about, I was thinking about that 12-row strip-till idea, 24-row planter that I started this with. Uh, what does it take for horsepower per row? And I, I assume that varies depending on what kind of job you're going to do and if you get hilly ground, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to depend on, you know, your, your, your soil type. It's definitely going to depend on soil type and, and how your ground is and, and then how it lays, but uh, I'd, I'd say if you're around that that 30, 30 to, to forty horsepower um, per 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 shank, you should be okay. Um, we got quite a few quite a few customers running um, running twelve rows with our with our larger Magnum tractors that uh, in that three forty um, horsepower range that, uh, that that seem to be doing a pretty good job. Once we get to our twenty four rows, of course, we're gonna going to want some bigger some bigger staggers um, some larger horsepower on those machines yeah a lot of a lot of different things you can do with strip tillage that's why uh, a lot of growers have enjoyed it and uh, and lots of questions too so real happy to have cj parker here to take some of those on cj thank you so much really appreciate having you on today yeah thanks guys Have have a good one you bet you as well Talking strip tillage on today's show, but we have our phone lines open. If you have an agronomic question, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill. 
and take your full prize in yields with Revitech Fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. What if your herbicide was easy to mix and tough for weeds to resist? Anthem Flex Herbicide from FMC offers the most effective mode of action for spring and winter wheat, delivering long-lasting control of grasses and broadleaf weeds, including Italian ryegrass, rat-tail fescue, and downy brome, plus weeds typically resistant to glyphosate and Group 1 and Group 2 herbicides. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Thanks for joining us. Talking about strip tillage, and even if you're not in strip till, there's certainly going to be some tips you can pick up from today's program about how to deal with, with certain situations. One of them has been dry, and I know especially as you've come west across uh, the continent, you've, you've definitely run into some dry areas out there. Uh, we've got Kevin Kimberly on right now, who's a consultant over in the state of Iowa. Uh, Kevin, you, you've got to be running into the dry stuff as well. Yeah, you know, we have a lot of clients, you know, in Nebraska. We have a lot of them west of you in South Dakota, very dry. And um, this happened a few years ago, too, same kind of situation, and um, one of the things that uh, a couple years ago we do when it's really dry, uh, like on strip till, is if you're running a mini mole knife or a mole knife, we trim the sides off that knife so we don't blow chunks and bolters up. 
and that helps immensely. We just take the plasma cutter or the torch and trim the sides off of that knife. Yeah, I can see that and make a big difference. Uh, you, you know, when you think about that, okay, so that's one thing, bringing up those great big chunks that just aren't going to break down and you're going to have to deal with them all the way through here. Uh, that That's certainly one of the best practices that a guy can do. What are some other best practices that, that have helped? Do you like coulters versus knives or knives versus coulters when you're dry? I Well, we can have the same effect with coulters uh, throwing chunks too. But uh, a colder is harder to get in the ground when it's dry, so you don't get quite the penetration. But what a colder does do, uh, it's kind of like a jackhammer. It vibrates that ground and actually fractures it below it. You don't even realize it. And <clears throat> for instance, I ran into this that um, we had a, a knife machine. And I, the reason I want to explain this is that the, the coulter we had on was a ripple, and it was just blowing chunks out everywhere. And um, we put on an eight-wave sulfur blade up front. Instead of going big, we went smaller to make it turn faster, and it kind of works like a jackhammer vibrating that ground to shatter that top. Okay. Yeah, and, and you definitely, if you're doing some digging, you'll see what the impacts of these things are. And that was one thing I know is out with a, a colony, and we were doing some different things out there, and they were digging. As we went across, they'd come with the backhoe and do some digging and see, okay, what stuff look like down below? But you could certainly do it with a shovel as well just to see what kind of impact you're having. I think that's a great tip. Yeah, I've been teaching this for over 25 years <clears throat> the thing I do is I take a spade, shove it down behind the strip till, and I dig that spade out. So it falls apart, the spade would fall forward towards you, and you can examine that trench. And what you want is if you have chunks in that trench, it takes a lot of rain to bring that back together. And you're looking at it for soil density. Uh, I just will share this with you. Uh, this was... Um, south of Mitchell, uh, I think three years ago. It was dry and hard. And the guys came in with a mole knife and stripped the field right across the road where we ran a skinny knife. Our dirt was all together, and they blew chunks all on top. And the next year, there was 48 bushel difference. Wow. So uh, soil density is very important. And you know, you guys have known me for a long time, and there's one thing Kevin's not afraid to do is change, right? That's exactly right. And and my favorite saying I always use, and I tell everybody, let the soil tell you what you need to do. You, I don't care what kind of strip till you got. Don't be afraid to change something up and try it. All right, so what are some of those common mistakes? Uh, obviously, you're hinting at just doing the same thing every time. Yes. So, for instance, over by Flandreau, uh, one year it was hard, and this was a knife machine with a colder. I took the top, uh, where the top bolt goes in the knife machine, and I slotted it. The straighter the knife, the less you'll blow chunks up. So if your knife's at more of an angle, you're going to blow that dirt up. So I just took the torch and slotted it. You don't have to go buy special stuff. You know, I try to be 
have everybody so they don't have to spend more money, but the straighter your knife on a dry year is very important. You're going to get all the shatter you need. Yeah, a lot of little tips and here. The skin, and the skinnier, excuse me, and the skinnier the knife is very important. Yeah, for for anybody listening, if you're in dry conditions, uh, I, I do still like strip till. It's just you're going to have to make some changes. And and we're talking with Kevin Kimberly here, who's one of the best at that. He's he's talking about narrowing up that up that knife and and straightening things out to avoid some of those big chunks. And you talked about it costing one grower forty eight bushels on a field. But I bet that grower did a whole bunch of acres, and that's 48 bushels times lots of acres. And just little things like that can make such a huge difference to your profitability, paying attention. Uh, Kevin, uh, thank you so much. We we know you're super busy right now. We really appreciate having you on. Love to have you on again sometime soon. One more more thing is I'm going to be strip-tilling up in your area and all that dry dirt all this fall. So um, we'll be starting here shortly. So if you want to know anything just give us a call all right sounds great uh, again kevin kimberly uh he's a consultant really specializing in planters and and tillage but uh all those things set you up for success all the way through the season uh, i've got chad henderson on now down in alabama raising high yields down there and dealing with alabama weather too chad how you doing oh yeah. And just like that, we lose Chad on the phone. Uh, let uh, let Alex try and catch him back again. Uh, Brian, Kevin was talking about just paying attention and being ready to make some changes as as conditions are different. I think that's important, and we, we see that a lot, making a lot of adjustments on our strip-till rig every year. It's not just, well, it was set up last year, so it should be fine. Uh, we're going to have some different conditions out there from year to year. Well, the other thing about it, like for us, we're constantly testing new equipment And that is one of the challenges is if you were used to doing something another way. So, for example, we've done some things with Soil Warrior. We really like their stuff. But you have the option of, well, do you want to go deep or shallow? Do you want to go coulter or knife? I I mean, where do you want to place the fertilizer? I mean, lots of choices. And my point here is if you don't make some of those adjustments and you aren't used to the adjustments and now, okay, one year I, well, I had this machine. Now I have this other machine and not set up this other way. Um, (laughs) Do you know what you're doing there before you, oh, we're just going to throw a thousand acres out there. And then later you go, ah, maybe we should have done that different. So try some things out, ask some questions and go from there. All right. uh, Give Chad another shot here. Chad Henderson down in Alabama. How you doing, Chad? Oh, doing great, doing great. How y'all? We are doing well. We're talking strip till today, and uh, it's different in in Alabama than it is in the north. We're we're hustling to try and get stuff done before the ground freezes up hard. Do you have a time of year you find the best for strip tilling in Alabama? Well, I'm still trying to figure that out. That was some good advice I heard from Kevin there. You know about the knife and stuff because we hadn't run it, got to run it real early in the fall yet. We get so caught up with harvest that we don't get a lot of time to do that. But that's what we hope to do this time is run it more in the fall than the spring. Um, we try to try to get it in any time in, you know, November, late November to December. But uh, we, we will change the blade configuration and then kind of take it on into, you know, January and February. What have you found with the crop rotations? Have you struggled with uh, following up corn? I know you raised some pretty high yields down there uh, with lots of residue. Is that a challenge for you? 
Well, all we've strip tilled is in front of, uh, we run a 15-inch beans, so all we strip till is in front of corn. So we'll run it on the double crop bean is all we've run it on, like the wheat and then come back for bean. And so that's really all we've got a chance to do so far with it. Yeah, it's, But it, it runs really nice, just conviction. Oh, darn, I think we lost Chad again. Uh, well, uh, we're talking with Chad Henderson here. He's with the Extreme Ag Group. He's down in, in the state of Alabama. Uh, we'll talk a little more strip till right after this. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brother's. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler Fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com howler. Did you know 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG, specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We've been talking strip till on our show today. 
Our phone lines are open if you have an agronomic question at 844-44-AG-PHD. Also, you can email us, radio at agphd.com. I'm going to get into some of those emails in just a second. Brian, I had one strip till thing I wanted to talk about with yep, you. and I got one more. And Go ahead. I was going to ask you about this one because we get so many questions around. I just wanted to set the record straight with cutting fertility rates and banding versus oh, yeah. broadcast rates because we get these questions all the time. Okay, I'm going to cut my rate I apply in half and band is that going to work or do I still need to look at crop removal rates when I'm banding? You still have to look at crop removal rates. Here's the thing I want you to think about. Let's just say for example, well here, let me pull up so I can give you something exact. If you go to the Ag PhD fertilizer removal app and let's say you plug in corn and just for easy math, we'll just say it's 200 bushel corn. Okay. So here's my point. 200 bushel corn phosphorus. It's saying it takes 70 pounds of phosphate. That's the grain removal. Stover, 32. I mean, what it takes to produce the stover. So that's 102 total pounds it needs. But if you say, well, I'm leaving all the stover out there, so let's just figure the grain removal so at least I'm not falling behind. Okay, so 70 pounds of phosphate. All right, so if, let's say, you had been broadcasting 70 pounds of phosphate and you go, you know, I've been hearing that I can cut my fertilizer rate in by a third on P and K, is that true? And um, what what do you think? What should I do? Um, your grain, it's your corn is still going to take away 70 pounds of phosphate. So if you start putting out 40 or 50, guess what? Your soil tests eventually are going to show lower. And you're going to have some problems if that's what you do year after year after year after year. Now, in the short term, if you say, well, fertilizer is expensive, I've got a fair amount of phosphorus already in my soil. I could actually mine a little bit out, and I only want to put 40 or 50 pounds on, and now I'm going to put it on this efficient way, then I would say, by all means, go ahead and do that. And suck a little bit out of your ground now, and then next year, well, hopefully next year or the year after, fertilizer prices go back down, and you put on a build, go with a build program again. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is this. If let's say you have you put any phosphorus or potassium out there in a broadcast, most of that fertility will not be used this year. And you might say, no, I'm going to use most of it this year. No possible chance. No way, no how, not happening. Think about your plant roots. And you think about, oh, I got this great big root system. Yep, you do. But what percentage of all your ground is a root actually touching? Because remember, if it doesn't touch it, it can't absorb it. Now, you might be able to if you had tremendous amounts of, let's say, mycorrhiza fungi that extend the root system even more and that kind of thing. But especially phosphorus, it does not move in soil. It's stuck. So unless the root runs into it or you get this fungi that runs into it, your phosphorus is not getting used. So that's a big part of the reason why they say, well, a third is going to go unused for sure compared to the strip till. So the way I look at it is I flip the scenario around completely and I say, all right, I never want to fall behind on my ground. So I'm for sure in my, my strip till putting on 70 pounds of phosphate in that 200 bushel corn example I gave you. And then I'm going to put on 50% more in my broadcast. So that'd be 105 pounds of phosphate. So that way I have just as much available this year for my crop. 
And it's it's not an exact figure, but that's in heavy soils what a lot of the research has shown. And that's what we found on our farm. We ran an 11-year study on this. This is exactly what we found. It took us 11 years. We did 11 years. Think about that. 50% more fertilizer in the broadcast. Now, eventually, we did build our soil test levels. And eventually, after I think it was like about year 12, 13, something like that, we finally started gaining yield. So you see where I'm going on this whole thing, okay? So that's what we're talking about with the fertility thing. Now, if it's nitrogen or sulfur or boron, the leachable ones, those move around in soil pretty well. So to think that you could save 20 or 33% like you can on P and K, no way. I usually figure 10% different. So in other words, if you want to ban your nitrogen, sulfur, and boron, could you possibly save 10% in the short term? Yeah, it's possible. All right, the other thing that I wanted to get to is if you think, all right, I'm either no-till today or I'm conventional till today, and you know what? I think this fall I'm going to switch over to strip-till, but I'm going to change everything or I'm not going to change anything else I do on my farm. In other words, I'm still going to plant the same varieties. I'm still going to use the same planter and set it up the same way. I'm still going to use the same herbicides, use the same fungicides. Literally everything else remains exactly the same. I would tell you that's a mistake. When we have gone from conventional till to strip till to no till and all directions in between, other things change. So with the less tillage you do, the more disease you're going to have, the more insects you're going to have. Now, in terms of weeds, you, you may have fewer weeds, but they're going to be different species as you do less tillage. Like on our farm, we switched to no-till, and all of a sudden we had all kinds of mare's tail and dandelions. I'm like, where the heck did these weeds come from? I never saw those once in conventional till. So I'm just saying, you've got to think through, and quite frankly, I'd suggest you talk to others who have made the switch from, again, whether you're no-till or conventional till today, if you're going to switch over to strip-till, just ask the people that have made the same change, all right, what else did you have to change? And be talking to your seed dealer. Be talking to your ag chem provider, your fertilizer dealer, everybody. Try to get as much input as you can because the biggest thing you don't want is a major mistake. And, oh, man, we just lost 20 bushels on the whole farm because we didn't even think about this one thing over here. Now, I don't know what that would be exactly, but I'm just saying you have to change some of your other practices when you change what your tillage method is. That's all I've got. Let's get back to the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, Brian. Oh, uh, I got an email here from somebody working with Chad Henderson. Uh, it said, Chad's phone probably just melted. Uh, I'm just down the road from him. My truck's showing 100 degrees today. And he said, by the way, you guys, uh, just so you know, on, on Chad's farm, I already pulled a lot of soil samples, so he's going to have lots of time to make some of those crop nutrient decisions that he was talking about for strip till. Hey, thanks, JW. Really appreciate you sending that in. Yeah, I think we were at, a, at uh, 90 degrees yesterday, not 100, but I think we were at 90 yesterday. I'm going to look and see what we actually well, hit yesterday. I know, I know I was a little bit south of here. I was a couple hours south, and it did hit 100, and it was, it yeah. was brutal. Yeah, we got to 92 yesterday. And by the way, the four-inch soil temp on our farm hit 89 degrees yesterday. And this is that was September 20th. So we've been hot and dry this year, and uh, I'm going to be happy when we get back to having a little bit more what we would call normal rainfall. I'm hoping that comes next year. All right, get this one from Jeff down in Georgia. He said, I'm starting to sell hay here in Georgia. I got a couple hundred acres to manage for retired farm and landowners. 
I'm new to this, and I'm just wondering if I spray fertilizer out there, can I also put weed control in the same application, or if there are any watchouts, these are fescue hay fields. Yeah, the biggest thing is fertilizer is going to heat up the herbicide. So if you've already got a hot herbicide, like let's just say it's buckterol, okay? So let's say you're out in alfalfa or in grass hay, and you're using buckterol. All right, buckterol's got a bunch of oils in it already. And then you say, you know what? I heard somebody throwing five gallons of liquid fertilizer out on on the crop, and that really made a difference. Well, you throw five gallons of liquid fertilizer together with buckterol, and you're going to see leaf burn. So that that's all I'm saying there. Now, the more you water down the fertilizer, in other words, the more water you're using in this mix, then the safer it's going to be to the crop. But that's the biggest thing you'd have to watch out for. So I'd try it on a small scale first, whatever it is you want to try. But yes, absolutely, you can throw some fertilizer in with most herbicides. All right. Uh, TF uh, said you guys were talking the other day about should you bale up residue or should you leave it out in the field? I look at it this way. Cattle are excellent at turning that residue into manure. We also do bale process our hay on the cornfield on top of the snow. It only works if you pick a new spot every time so you don't create a a big thick mat of hay and trash to insulate the ground because then it'll stay frozen longer than where you haven't. Uh, hey, I appreciate the, the email, TF. You're right. I do like if we can graze cattle out there and break the residue down, that can be a great solution as well. We'll dive back into the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. Early does it. Strong early season defenses against seedling insects and soil diseases are key to a successful season. The leader in Inferro Solutions, FMC, helps protect your fields from the start with a growing portfolio of Inferro innovations. You can't predict the future, but you can plant for it. Visit your FMC retailer or inferro.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD-TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. 
In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD-TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or your emails, radio at agphd.com. Let's hit one more weed control one here, Brian. Uh, this one comes in from Deneen, who says, when is the best time to spray established blackberry briars in a cow pasture and other woody type species. Is that the similar timing to what you're talking or is spring better to try to kill them? Okay. So I think where this goes back to is a lot of people believe that fall is the best time to kill perennial weeds. I believe that anytime you have a perennial weed, you kill it then. Don't be waiting if you say, well, it's July, and you know what? I hear that spring in September is better. I'm just going to let it go till then. In the meantime, you just lost a bunch of money. So if you have to spray twice, spray twice. Weeds are still a major yield robber, or in this case, let's if it's pasture, tonnage robber. So it, also you have to think about if you have a perennial crop like pasture, it hurts the long-term life of that stand, and now you have more weeds that enter in if your crop suffers. So anyway, I, I would say when we talk about fall spraying period, we like it done prior to the first killing frost. It doesn't have to be with certain herbicides, but we prefer to have it done then because then you get better uptake through the leaves and you have more chance for any residual to wash down into the soil and get into the roots. The reason why a lot of people over the years have always said fall is a good time, or at least early fall, is because at that time of year, perennials are usually shoving more stuff into their roots to try to survive through the winter. So that's what I would tell you. I mean, quite frankly, anytime I see a weed out there, I'm spraying, but is now a good time? Sure it is. Yeah, so products that have triclopyr in them, like Remedy Ultra, have yes. been good choices. Also, actually, metsulfuron uh, is in chaparral, would be another nice combination in a pasture mm -hmm. that could be used. Uh, yep. And metsulfuron is another one that is kind of interesting when you talk about pastures, because some guys are spraying pastora that has got some of that, but it just isn't at a strong enough rate. So you need to have a good, strong rate, like Brian was saying, to try to get down into that plant. Hey, thanks for the question. Really appreciate that. Uh, Brian, get, get a stack of soil tests here, and there's anywhere from one to three soil tests per field. Some soil tests are complete, some are not. Uh, but Travis is saying, hey, guys, can you look at my soil tests and tell me what I can do to improve things? I'm in the northern Red River Valley. I've got tile now in most of the ground. 
that's been out there for as long as four years, uh, and it's at 40 to 50 foot spacing. This year, we had close to 25 inches of rainfall. Uh, the year before was quite dry. Uh, we try to put out 100 pounds of map each year. We don't use starter, uh, and we try to apply dry typically in the fall. Okay, so one of the most important things we're always going to talk to people about is we really want to see complete soil tests as much as possible. And on some of these soil tests, all I've got is NPK and soluble salts and pH. So I'd like to see more information. So I'm going to talk about the the samples where I we have all that information. And what we're talking about here for the listeners, it's very heavy ground. Now, according to the cation exchange capacity numbers here, it's like 50, 60 CEC, now 80 CEC. Now, those numbers aren't right. The numbers are a little bit lower. Neil Kinsey talks about this all the time, running a calcium displacement test. He doesn't have 80 CEC, but he does have very, very heavy ground. We understand that, okay? When you have free lime in your soil, then this is usually where this shows up, all right? And sure enough, I look here and, oh, here's 8,000 parts per million of calcium, 10,000 parts per million of calcium, um, and there's a 13. Okay, so don't get too hung up on that. And if you want to, send, like, take one of your spots so I hope you GPS marked each of these spots where you pulled the samples. Go back to one of the spots, pull another sample, send it in like to Neil Kinsey's lab, and then have him run the calcium displacement test and then compare it to this that you've got here. Okay, So at least then you can get a little bit more accurate numbers on the calcium magnesium and stuff. But the, the main things that I'll talk to you about, just let's just start even with N, P, and K. With nitrogen, everything is, of course, low. We see that all the time. But with the phosphorus, we get concerned because you got eight parts per million here, you got 13 parts per million, you got seven parts per million. And so that tells us that whatever you're doing for a phosphorus program, you have not been on a build program and you want to get those levels up. So if it's me, even on an Olson test, I want to see 40, 50 parts per million at least to raise a really good crop. And just understand this when you put phosphorus out, it's not going anywhere. So worst case scenario, if you say, well, I don't, I don't know, I don't know that I actually needed that much, well, no big deal, just mine it back out of the soil again. So, but I, I'm, I'm just saying, and especially when, when fertilizer prices come down a little bit, which may happen next year, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to be in a massive build program on phosphorus. That's point number one. Point number two, your potassium levels are just flat out too low. And you might say, well, on the soil test, it says I got, here's one, 263, 225, 203. And in all cases, the lab's interpretation is those are all high. No, they're not high because your calcium and your magnesium are really off the charts. And again, they aren't, your calcium and magnesium levels aren't as high as these tests are showing. I'll promise you that. But when we talk about potassium, one of the most important things is the ratio of potassium two other nutrients in the soil. And your ratio is just too low. You're at 1.4%, 0.9%, 0.7%. And even if those other numbers, the calcium gets cut in half, you're still way less than the 4% base saturation potassium we talk about all the time. In a heavy soil like you have, just like with the phosphorus, your potassium's not going anywhere. So as soon as you can buy some potassium cheap or cheaper, then I'd be on a massive build program there too. Yes, this year is not the fall probably to do that. Okay, I'm not saying that. So in the short term, 
what would I do if this was my ground on P&K and I was raising corn or soybeans? I would be, well, our topic today, strip-till. I'd be strip-tilling. Now, granted, you've got, you're going to probably raise some other crops in your farm, like this one says sugar beets uh, for recommendations, and I don't know. I guess I don't remember what else Darren said, but I see there's corn, there's soybeans, there's sugar beets. I, I know you got a lot of stuff. But I would seriously consider banding at least some of my fertilizer. And you said you're not using the starter fertilizer. I would be. You will have an advantage for that because your soil is so heavy. You're getting tie-up of your phosphorus, and you're, the potassium in your soil is not getting into the plant like it should because your levels of calcium and magnesium are so high. So banding absolutely will help you. And over time, some of the things that I would consider, I'll just call bad, are going to start to go away. So, for example, you've got uh, soluble salts that are up at two, and we'd like that at one or less. Um, your sodium is not terrible or anything, but when we look at your chloride, it's really, really high. And so some of these things that we say they're leachable, they still haven't left your field yet. And it just, it takes time. When you put that tile in the ground, I, I know you were hoping for an instant change in your soil, but it takes time for some of these things that are sky high, like your sulfur levels are sky high. It's going to take some time for those to moderate. But over the next 10 years, you're going to see a lot of these things start to improve. So I guess that's really the main stuff. Beyond that, I mean, a lot of your micros that I see here really aren't terrible. I mean, personally, I like running a Malik 3 test better than, than running D, DTPA tests. So if it's me, I might run a couple of those and just compare. But, I mean, the biggest things to me are the P and the K. All right, thanks for the question. Uh, get this one, Brian, in from another weed question from Ryan. He said, we're in west central Illinois. This particular plot is loaded with cocklebur. I'm wondering if it's a food plot. He said, we sprayed glyphosate and atrazine several weeks after it was no-till planted. The weeds got close to knee-high at the time of spraying. Is it possible yep. the atrazine didn't get into the soil due to the tall weeds? Yes. We did get 10 inches of rain later. Yes. Just wondering, what herbicide program would you have for prolonged cocklebur control? Also, we saw some tip back on the ears. Is that due to the weed pressure? Uh, well, it's, yeah, I'm sure it's in part due to the weed pressure. And just to paint this picture for our listeners, um, and, and no offense to our our not much corn, lots of cockleburr. Right? Yes. So I, I, I cockleburr. You don't need long term control. Your long term control is crop canopy. So if you just start with something like SureStart or Triple Flex, you follow with Status or an HPPD, you're usually set. Hey, thanks for the question, Ryan. Good luck to you. We really appreciate it. When you've got weed pressure, chances are it's going to be bad for the next few years. And with cockleburr, if you reduce tillage, those seeds will stay on top of the ground and you'll get more to sprout so you can get them under control. Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.